Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 266, another themed episode. Yeah. We're doing a themed episode, and these are exciting. It's uh we we get to talk about something a little bit more specific. And if you've been watching our, our YouTubes and you're subscribed to us, uh, you know our Monday minis, we we have like a focused about 10-minute session uh, where we go into some pretty good stuff. And if you haven't, you know, subscribed and watch those, go watch those. But we love our, our themed episodes on Wednesday. So this goes out on the podcast and on YouTube. Uh, but it's our opportunity to kind of dive into one topic or subject a little bit more, uh, go into a little bit more depth. And let us know in the comments below. Do you have any ideas of things you'd like us to do? Because we have planned coming up as we get close to the holiday season. Uh, to be dropping a handful of like shorter episodes where they're a little bit more focused on things. So do you have any ideas, plans, suggestions of videos that we should uh, we should consider dropping podcasts? We should consider dropping as we get into the holiday season. Let us know in the comments below and make sure to like and subscribe. So what are we talking about today? So, you know, I kind of feel like a lot of our episodes lately have been like, this is what you should do. Like, you know, to to do well, you should do this, which is fine. Like, you know, I. Uh, I think we've established ourselves, you know, enough that by now, like we can actually speak on things and not be, you know, like brand new resellers and trying to, you know, sell a course or something. But at the same time, you know, the original purpose of our podcast was to document, right? That's what we wanted to do. And through documenting, hopefully help others as they listen in and go, oh, you know what? I I can relate with that or I experience that also. And so this episode I titled We've Changed. And I don't know where this is going to go. It was just an idea that I had in my mind uh, because I think you and I have changed a lot when it comes to reselling. I, I would say even in the last year, uh, you know, and, and a lot of reselling changes aren't necessarily tied into the business per se. You know, sometimes it's a family thing. Sometimes it's just, you know, you I don't know, midlife crisis. I don't know what it is, but but things change. Right. And so I know myself, I've changed a lot and a lot of that pressure has been, you know, my boys are getting older. And so my time commitment has been more to my kids than it's been to the business. Uh, if you've noticed, even on social media, I'm not on social media like I used to be because I'm just I'm just busy with it. Right. And it's not that I don't care about reselling. It's just that some things have changed. And so I had to change my model of business to fit my family. Right. I, I would say doing it the other way, changing your family to fit your business. Uh, that gets kind of sketchy. Right. So I wanted to talk about how have we changed? And I want to ask Mike too, you know, when it comes to sourcing, selling and shipping and and just scaling, because I think our views of what we wanted it to be when we first started the podcast have changed. Maybe they haven't. And you mentioned you talked about Empire a lot, yeah. right? <laughs> and maybe we're still about Empire. Uh, but uh, so first of all, uh, sourcing, okay? Because that is, that's the very beginning of reselling, right? You can't be a reseller unless... You're sourcing. So have things changed in how you source or what you source? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, some things have, have changed as far as what I'm sourcing. When I first started, um, really, I didn't know what I was doing other than things that you would tell me to to pick up. Right. So you might be like, oh, you know, VCRs are good or, you know, these types of Hawaiian shirts or these. And I could never find Hawaiian shirts. And I sold quite a few VCRs, but they were a lot of work. And, um, you know, I picked up a lot of shoes in the early days and I still do have, you know, several totes of shoes. And if I find a good deal on shoes, I'll pick them up. Uh, but one of the things I would do is I'd go into a, a thrift store or I'd go to a garage sale and I would just spend a bunch of time looking through shoes. Like that would be like one of the first things, just every shoe I'd look at. And part of one of the reasons why I shop shoes less is just it's hard to get good deals on them. Still can get them at garage sales. I was just at a a, a like church rummage sale the other day and I was able to pick up some Sperry Topsiders for a dollar each. 
right? And I picked up like three pairs. I'm like, that's not a bad deal, right? Like I could do that because I can flip those for 25 bucks, 30 bucks, no problem. But when you're at a Goodwill or you're at a Salvation Army and you're looking at those Sperry Top Ciders and they want $15 for them, it's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Um, same thing or a little bit different, but I, I don't pick up things like VCRs or as many used electronics as I did before uh, because the testing process was so much. I wasn't a fan of, of shipping them. So I've moved a little bit more towards um, hard goods that are I don't have to test as much and, you know, some clothing and, and things like that that are uh, a little bit easier to do as far as that goes. So my sourcing has definitely changed uh, for, I would say, two main reasons. One is the, just the availability of items has shifted, right? It used to be easier to get shoes at a cheaper price. Not so easy for me anymore. And two, the types of items that I pick up because I just didn't enjoy selling used electronics. I didn't enjoy, which is funny because my hustle of the week is going to be used electronic, but I still sell them, but just not to the level of every time I saw a VCR, it was like, ooh, I'm picking up a VCR. Uh, I'm a little bit more selective now, which definitely helps. What about you? Well, so initially, and I think everybody starts here, I would pick up whatever made profit, right? It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was, you know, uh, a shirt, a shoe, if it was a Christmas ornament, if it was, I don't know, underwear. I mean, whatever. It was anything, right? Anything, whether it was, you know, tools or whether it was a big, you know, big tote full of you know, all kinds of gadgets. I mean, it didn't matter. And so what I found over time was that that was really hard to maintain. Now, I still do some of that a little bit. Like a deal's a deal sometimes. And you can't pass it up. But I will say when I source, like let's say at the thrift, there was a time when, you know, I would look at everything and I would try to find profit. Now, I'm very big into clothing when it comes to the thrift. Like I, I don't really try to source anything outside of clothing at the thrift just because I have a system down. I have a helper who takes care of all my listings. I find that it's a lot easier to ship, right? And at this stage in my life, I can't spend, you know, 30, 40 minutes trying to figure out how I'm going to, you know, ship a massive item. Now, there might be a lot of profit in that. Don't, don't get me wrong. You know, there's probably profit that I'm missing out on. But to me, I can make up that profit by picking up a three or four good pair of shoes, three or four good vintage pieces that are clothing. Uh, and and again, so I'll give you an example. You know, I, I had talked about this is one of my hustles of the week uh, three or four weeks ago. Right. I picked up a vintage San Antonio Spurs shooting jersey and I paid four fifty at that estate sale. At that same estate sale, I picked up a KitchenAid stand mixer. And, you know, the average price for that was probably like, you know, 20 bucks. Right. Based on everything. Guess what? Guess what? I didn't list the mixer. The mixer literally is still in my kitchen and it has not been touched since I sourced it. Right. And so I made more money on that shooting shirt than I would have made on the mixer. I still would have made, you know, maybe $150, $200, right? Maybe. Right. But the amount of time I would have spent testing the item, taking a video of the item, packing the item. Where with this shooting jersey, all I did is spend maybe three minutes taking pictures, maybe two minutes listening. And when it sold, maybe a minute getting it folded, put in a poly, putting it, you know, I put in a box because it was an expensive one. And so to me, my sourcing has definitely changed. I no longer look at just what's profitable. I look at what is going to work within the time frame that I have. Yeah. And to like me, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I'll still do clothes occasionally, but I'm not a huge fan of listing clothes. Because I hate taking the pictures. I hate taking the measurements. It's it's so much more involved. A hard good item takes up more space in my inventory. 
But a lot of times it's just snap, 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 and then maybe take a picture of the barcode or list it right off the scan from the barcode. And it's easy peasy, right? I don't have to worry about all the dimensions and measurements and this and that and worry about customers saying, is it going to fit? And is it, but it's a lot easier to ship, right? Every time I sell a hard good that's pretty big, it's like, man, I got to find a box for this and I can't just shove it in a poly mailer. So uh, there's definitely pros and cons and, and you got to kind of figure out what, what type of sourcing works best for you. Uh, the next thing that kind of changed for us is, is where we source. I know for me, um, when I first started, there was, it was a lot of thrift stores. I would do garage sales occasionally. I mean, I love doing the garage sales, but it was a lot of thrift stores. And, you know, the thrift stores in our area have kind of just dried up. There's still a handful that I'll do occasionally. The hard part is with my schedule, it's much busier now that I've got two kids and I live further away from where I work and all of these things. Um, so it's a little bit harder to do thrift stores. Uh, but I've kind of shifted more to sourcing offer up local deals, um, Facebook Marketplace, and quite a bit more eBay to eBay arbitrage. I, I wasn't doing the first year. I don't think I did any eBay to eBay arbitrage. Then I dabbled in it a little bit. And then I was kind of prepped and ready as the uh, thing that happened last year. It got all crazy and the, the world kind of shut down. Um wonder what that was. <laughs> yeah. So when, when that all happened, I was kind of ready to just switched to a bunch of eBay to eBay arbitrage some offer up local deals and stuff. And it was a pretty smooth, seamless transition. And so I've kind of kept a lot of that. Uh, continuing to source locally uh, has been really beneficial. The, there's there's struggles with that, right? Because then it's got to set up time to meet somebody. You've got to worry about all these things. Uh, but the nice thing is, unlike a thrift store, I'm not worried about driving somewhere unless I know I've got the deal. Right. So I can I can spend 30 minutes going out of my way to drive to a thrift store, spend a half hour to an hour looking around and realize, nope, there's ten dollars of profit here. Whereas I can save my gas, save my time and only make that trip when I know I've got a hundred, two hundred dollars of profit in a in a deal I'm gonna pick up. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I I hate saying this. But those of you who have been following us on social media, you know, Pierce Podcast on Instagram, you know, the early days of, you know, just four years ago. I used to do thrift stores a ton. I used to post a ton of stories. The reason I don't post the stories anymore is because I don't go to thrift stores. I maybe go maybe four times eh, on, a, on a good month, maybe six times a month. Right. And sometimes I just go to try to teach people like, hey, this is what you should look for. Here's some comps. I, I do it for the gram sometimes. Right. Because, again, the whole purpose of what we do is to help others out. And so sometimes I, I just don't need to go. I just go because. You know, I want to help people out and there's still kind of a fun to it. But I will tell you, the, the fun's kind of gone away from thrift stores for me. It's just it's it's not what it used to be. I mean, and, and I'm not here to rant and, and whatever about the good store that shall be not be named. But, it, you know, we know as resellers that right now, obviously, these thrift stores have understood that if they have their own auction sites, they can make a lot more money by just, you know, cherry picking the good stuff and leaving all the stuff for the masses. Right. And so for, for me, it's it's way more effective, like Mike said, to set up a local deal to to, you know, find someone who has a collection or has, you know, stuff that they haven't looked at for like 30 years and it's sitting in their garage than to go to, you know, 10 thrift stores in a day. It's, it's really hard. Now, can Mike and I still find stuff? Sure, we can. But that 10 hours we can take care of in one hour by having a really good local deal. Now, I, I did want to say this in the fact that you know, you got to find whatever works geographically for you, right? You might be in a place where thrift stores are the way to go, right? You might be in a place where bins are the way to go. But I, I got to say, Mike, our, probably our best finds have been through local deals. 
right? I can't, I can't think of the last time I went to a thrift store and I scored something that was a lot of money like that is rare. Now, the one consistent thing for Mike and I, I would say is garage sales, right? I, I mean, I'll share also the week today and uh, it is another reason we go to garage sales because Mike and I, I don't know. I, I know for me, when I look at my best returns, they haven't always been in the major bulk buys and usually the garage sales because there are people just trying to offload stuff. You know, they're not really looking anything up because usually when you're buying a collection or something, they kind of have an idea of what they have, right? They did a little, you know, a little bit of researching, not everything. And so you can still find major treasure that they haven't seen. Like did my last Hot Wheels and Disney Hall, uh, they just were looking to offload. The difference was that they were going to do a garage sale if I didn't buy out all their stuff. And so luckily I came in and I bought all the stuff and I was able to make a lot of profit and I'm still selling a lot of that stuff. But yeah, um, I think I think life gets in the way of that, too. Right. In the sense that, you know, doing all that thrifting and if you got small kids or, you know, they, they get that gets a little much where, you know, doing a local deal like it, it's not that big hey, kid. Just hang out in your car seat. You know, let me make a deal. Put in the car and you go home. So, yeah, I mean. Don't leave your kid in the car, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> you as get, far you as get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. All right. So how often are you sourcing these days then? Um, this has been one of the big changes. And if you listen to the podcast regularly, you kind of know that this has been a, a, a recent change for me. Um, but typically I would go to garage sales pretty much every weekend, maybe once a month I would skip because of a family event or something like that. But it was, it was pretty much every weekend. And then thrift stores would be maybe once or twice a week. Uh, now that I'm doing local deals, local deals tend to be same about once or twice a week. Um, and then garage sales is now every other week for me. Now, this was a big kind of painful thing in some ways <laughs> uh, because I do not like missing garage sales, yeah. especially when like, you know, I do. It's a, a weekend I sit out and then I see like you scored really good. It's like a little bit of that FOMO of like, man, I should have been out there. Yeah, it's rough. And, and and to be honest, the opposite is true. There's times when you're out and uh, you you'll post something and you're like, Today was a bust. And I'm like, oh, good thing I stayed home. Right. But the reason I've kind of switched. Or you to, scored. Yeah. And sometimes it's me that goes out and I score. Um, so the reason I kind of switched to every other week is um, I I need to do more listing. Right. My, my schedule is filled up quite a bit. Um, the last year was interesting. I was able to semi work from home. Um, and then this year now I'm back to work. I live, you know, good distance away. I've got a commute. Um, I'm trying to work out regularly. Uh, so that takes a little bit of time in the morning. So it cuts into some of my time that I have available. Now that I've got two kids, there's times where like I'm literally getting home, helping my wife put the kids to bed. And then it's like I'm going to sleep. Right. So there's not a lot of time available. And so really Saturdays, I, I have Sundays is like my family rest day. We don't really do anything. Saturdays is kind of like my work day because I work five days a week. So Saturday is the one day, the sixth day of the week that I work. And so I have to kind of decide, am I going to go sourcing or am I going to list and get Pictures taken, right? And so it's every other week. I source one week, I list the next week. And sometimes I've got I've got a good enough size death pile that I'm able to actually list more than I'm sourcing. I might source 15 items, I might list 25, 30 items, right? So that's allowing me to keep my eBay store growing, allowing me to keep money coming in. And eventually, if I get to a point where I'm I'm sourcing and listing the same stuff pretty much in the same week because I'm I'm not, I don't have a huge death pile anymore, I might go back to every week sourcing until I build up a little bit of a death pile. But uh, that was a change for me because I had to kind of step back and say, all right, I'm not going to source, which is hard. But the nice thing is 
if you're sourcing but not listing, death piles are costing you money, right? Because mm -hmm. that's potential profit you could have. That's capital you have tied up. It's space you've got tied up. And it's just a waste, right? I've literally spent money that I had in a bank account for an item that now is sitting on a shelf, not even listed. That's that's a terrible trade, right? So now that I'm listing things, I feel much better and I actually feel better going and sourcing because I know I'm not just stacking up a death file. I'm just laughing over here because everything you're saying is what I'm guilty of right now. But he hear me out. So I don't have a death pile. I actually have, this sounds terrible, a death room. It just doesn't sound right. Yeah. You know what? I think I, I'm sure like the FBI is now watching know, and listening to our I podcast, but you're on a list. Be careful what you say from now it just on. Sounds horrible, but and, and everybody who's listening to this podcast is going to be on a list too, because you know, you listen to a podcast where guys talking about his death room. <laughs> but I, 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 this, this started because I had some major hauls this past summer. Uh, and some of them I showed on YouTube, but I have thousands, not thousands, but Add 2,000 at least uh, of items or more at any given time that I can list if I have the time. And I have a helper. And so it's not for the sake of me not listing. But part of the reason I did that it was twofold. One is my my oldest son is, is getting older. And my, well, both of my kids are getting older. And they're in sports now. And now they're also, you know, doing things with the school newspaper. And they're doing this activity and this activity. And so I've come to a place where it's like, I don't know if sometimes I'll be able to source. Like I love garage sales. It has to be the most amazing thing I have to do that will get in the way of my garage sales. And usually it's my son needs to go to some school event. But I I came to an understanding earlier last year that, you know what? I need to have enough inventory that even if I'm not able to make it out, that I'm still going to be okay because I do this full time. And so over time, I've had all these major hauls. And so I have plenty of inventory to list. Now, the other thing is I've also cut down my sourcing as a result of having so much <laughs> unlisted inventory. Right. And so I don't need to source every day. There was a time I was sourcing every day, every day. Uh, and, you know, there was a time when not every day, Monday through Friday. And what I mean is by every day and Saturdays would be garage sales. Now, I technically only source on Wednesdays and I source on Saturdays when I go garage sales. Now, I'll go on Thursdays every once in a while just because there's some teacher discounts at some stores here in San Diego. And it's, you know, I need to go out sometimes uh, and go sourcing just because I want to because it's fun. But the frequency of my sourcing definitely has changed. But I think this only came about, Mike, for both of us is that the longer we were reselling, the more knowledge we gained. Right. Because if we were brand new, like, it'd be really hard to like find like treasures in local deals. Right. How, how do you sift through all the listings? Right. How do you know what the right price is? Right. And the, the, one of the best ways is either you do research at home or you're out there at thrift stores and you're just constantly looking up items. Yeah. So basically the, what you're saying is we became more efficient with our time. Right. So it, it takes fewer hours of sourcing to get the same amount of inventory that 100%. we would get, you know, a year, two years ago with, you know, more time sourcing and the same amount of inventory. So yeah, there's definitely a, a, a improvement as far as that goes. Um, I just think I would, I would maybe argue that it'd be better to list all of your items tomorrow and not have any items unlisted than to save items. So you've got in case you had to go a long period of time without listing, right? Like I think you'd be better off having everything listed. It'd be like, I mean, I just imagine if you're like over a store, it'd be better to have every shelf filled 
and nothing in the back than to have your shelves empty, but you keep making more orders and you're filling up more things in the back. So it's like my back's got a bunch no, of room, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting what I'm doing is right. I'm just, that's what I, but done. like, have you considered like saying like, all right, I'm actually not going to source for a week and I'm just going to get everything listed. I, uh, I think you might be more profitable doing that. I've done that a couple of times. Uh, what I know is that here's the thing too, is that the stuff that I'm sourcing now, I know will just get more valuable the longer I wait to list it. It just sounds weird, right? And, and it's been in the collectible field. It's been in the vintage field and so on because things are scarcer. They're harder to come by. Now, I, I do think, I think Mike is right. I think, you know, it may be more profitable, but I'm in a season in life right now where I, I kind of had to slow down. And this is actually one of our last things we we're talking about on the podcast, but I had to slow down, right? And the reason I had to slow down is, I and Mike and I have talked about this. Like, I, I'm 100% sure by now I could be a multimillionaire if I just ignored my kids and just put in the work like over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Unfortunately, uh, and fortunately I have two amazing kids that stop me from doing that, which is good. <laughs> it gives me sanity. I, I love my boys. And so I, I, I need to stop. I need to slow down. And so I think it's okay to slow down. Now, am I doing it right? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, I'm I'm open to criticism. You know me; I get criticized all the time, so I'm good with that. Let's know in the comments, by the way. So, but I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there were people that were doing amazing. You know, like you know, and I still make six figures. That's what's crazy. I slow down. I just haven't got into the place where I'm making you know seven figures, right? Uh, but each year, I've actually I think I've, I think this last year I went up. I think it was like twenty two percent or something like that. Right. So the, the business is still growing. Right. But I just had to change the way I do things. So, yeah, my frequency of sourcing has changed, but I think it's part of efficiency. Right. All right. Hey, before we keep moving on, if you have not signed up for our buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle to, you know, sh show us some support, really appreciate it if you would. It's a very easy $5 membership a month. We keep getting new people that, you know, join. And uh, one of the nice things we're able to do is uh, for all our members that sign up, we're able to do a virtual meetup and just, just talk at this last one that we had, we talked about before uh, we're, we gained, I think a lot of knowledge from the group, right? Um, we were, I was looking to share a bunch of stuff and, and things to look out for. And I was able to do some of that, but there's just so much that you can gain from a community of individuals that are on the same level as you. And so it was, it was a great time. It was a great opportunity. And so if you just want to say, Hey, thank you and support us in that way, we're, we're more than happy, you know, to, Take some coffees. And so if you want to help us out, uh, buymeacoffee.com slash pure hustle. All right. Also, one of the things that I want to share that has changed a lot is the way I sell things. So I used to be very big on listing high, which I still am, but I would get like offended. Like if anybody gave me like a 60% offer or a 65% offer, right? Or, you know, anything that I had, I always had to, you know, be the highest price on things. I've kind of changed in that a little bit. I, I think over time I, I figured out that, you know, I can wait for that extra $10 or I can just accept the offer and cash flow that and buy more inventory that I can make more money on. Or sometimes, right? And again, this is all conspiracy, but I have found like the other day I should have taken the offer. I had an offer on a, on a shirt. It was 15 bucks and I, the shirt was worth 30 to 40. And, you know, I paid, I don't know, pennies on the dollar for the shirt. 
And so I counteroffered it at uh, at $24.99 and then they counteroffered at $20 and then I was just like, no, and I declined it. And then after I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this is not the Orlando of, of 2020. This is the Orlando of 2021. Should have just taken it. Because guess what? After a day of, of having sales all day, the moment I declined that, I didn't have any sales for a few hours. Now, and luckily, I had a sale later on that was good. But I definitely think taking offers, having a great sell through rate, and I've talked about this a lot, definitely plays a part in running eBay. Yeah. And I think you got to be careful not to go too far down the, the rabbit hole of of conspiracies. I mean, <laughs> I, I know people who like are hardcore sports fanatics and they've got like very, you know, ritualistic things like if a, if a team scores a touchdown, then they like do a certain thing. And if they don't, oh, yeah. then they have to do something. Yeah. And like, it's like really what you're doing doesn't change anything that's happening, you know, across the country on the TV, you know what I mean? On a field. So you got to be careful because there is probably some, there is reality to the effect of sell through rates going to make a difference in your store. I don't think eBay is going to punish you if, if you get a low ball offer and you don't accept it, right? Like that's, that, that doesn't seem legitimate. I don't think they've got a system in place to be that like efficient and that would that would actually harm them, right? Cuz they want your store to do well. They want you they want you to make sales, but if you've got a bad store that's going to give them a bad reputation, they're not going to push it. I don't think they're going to punish you for not accepting an offer. However, let, let's know in the comments. Have you had a moment where you accepted a low offer and then out of nowhere you had a bunch of good sales? You can have, or vice versa. Yeah, I mean, definitely let us know. But either way, that's still going to be anecdotal evidence, right? Because hundred percent. So they're, they're, I agree. They're, they're, that's not going to prove a point either way. Because for every person that says yes, somebody else could say no. Um, I mean, I've I've declined offers and had huge sales come in right after, or that thing sell for full price to another buyer, right? Mm -hmm. So you really don't know. But what what we have learned, and I've I've kind of moved the same way as far as being willing to accept lower offers because it comes down to a, a time versus money situation. And money today is always worth more than money tomorrow. Part of that is inflation. And part of that is the ability to uh, take capital and make more capital, right? And of course, there's there's limits. You, you know, you can't source infinitely. You know, you can't just have more money and source more. Potentially, if you find good, you know, outlets and things like that, where you can buy wholesale or something, but your your ability to source is going to be limited. But if you have capital, I spent a dollar and I turned it into fifty dollars. I can then do more things with that. I can buy more items to sell. I can put some of that money into the stock market. I can invest it in another place. I could put it towards, you know, a bill that's collecting interest. There's a lot of different things you can do with that money, or I can wait another eight months and try and make you know, 60 bucks on that item instead of $50 on that item. And the reality is I could potentially, that's a $10 difference over the, and you never know how long it's going to be. It could be tomorrow. It sells, it could be a year before it sells, mm -hmm. but you just got to realize how long are you willing to hold off for that difference? Five, 10 bucks. And a lot of times, you know, my wife will get a, a message on an offer and I'll be doing something and she'll be like, Oh, do we want to take this offer or should I counter? And it, yeah, it's like, wait a minute, is it worth the five bucks? Like we could counter instead of saying, especially if it was a low cost item, right? Yeah. So if they're like, Hey, they said 20, should I come back with 25? And it's like, is it really worth the $5? Right. Because we could lose this sale and then, yeah, maybe it sells tomorrow for full price. That happens all the time. Or we could just take that 20 bucks and now we can do something with it. And so we've definitely moved more towards that. We don't take stupid low ball offers that are just ridiculous. Um, and I don't think we're punished because we don't do that. Uh, but you know, again, there's times where it's like, you know, what? I picked that up for very little. It's taken up a lot of space. Sure. Get it out of here. I don't care. But, you know, I, I source better now. So if it's something I've sourced in the last year or two, chances are I'm not going to take a low ball offer. If it's something I picked up year one, 
get it out of my shed, right? Like this thing is, this thing was probably a bad buy in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I will say I rarely do not accept the offer. I could see now a bunch of uh, listeners like offering stuff in my store. I do wonder sometimes though, because sometimes after the podcast, I end up getting a bunch of lowball offers. So just throwing it out there. And if you're getting deals from me, hey, good for you. Good for you. Sometimes it's a slow day and I'll take the deal. Uh, but the, the bottom line is, I, I 100% believe, and I've shared this on a previous podcast, that sell-through rate is more important than listing. If you're consistently selling through stuff, you can go a good amount of time without listing as long as you're having those sales. Now, things will slow down, but I, I do think sell-through rate is very important. Now, returns. So this is, this is kind of interesting. There was a time when every single time I got a return, I, I got it back and I'd inspect it and make sure everything is, is all good with it. I st- I stopped doing that because what I've recognized, like, what am I really going to do now? If it's a new item, I'll look it over to make sure it hasn't been tampered with. But if it's used and the person, you know, the person, you know, all the time we had the notorious Skechers debacle, right? Where you send Skechers and they would fall apart like the day after you, you got them to the buyer. There, there's times that I'll get returned and they end up at the UPS store and I'll just refund it before I ever even pick it up. It might be like a week or two. And the reason that is, is because my time is valuable. Like I, I could spend more time listing items instead of driving all the way out to the UPS store, picking up that item, looking it over, making sure it's all good and giving the refund. Because 99% of the, the time, I'm going to give a full refund. It's going to be the rare exception that I give a partial refund. Does that make kind of sense? Yeah, I, I've got to move that same way. I mean, as long as it shows like, Hey, the item's been delivered. You know, we have a postal service that that collects our mail. It's like, all right, if they've they've sent it. Usually, it's not a huge. Yeah, if it's like a two three hundred dollar item return, I'm gonna I'm gonna go check it, make sure it actually came in the box. But yeah, most of the time, it's like, oh, it's been delivered. I'm gonna issue the refund. And even just doing returns is kind of. I mean, it's not newer. I was within the first year that we switched to doing it. But I definitely know that when I started, I was very against doing returns. It was a you know, you bought it, your problem now type of uh, mentality. And I just learned that my sales have gone up since accepting returns. Um, I don't have that many. We have them occasionally, but it's not so much that it's overwhelming. And we have more seller protections through eBay because of it. So all in all, it's definitely been worth having returns. We don't do free returns because it's not necessary. And I would say, you know, there are times we do free cover the return, right? If it's something we made a mistake on or something that, you know, I feel really bad for the buyer because it was just a really odd situation you know, I might cover the shipping back, but a lot of times it's, you know, sure, send it for a, a return. And if they're willing to spend, you know, the $12, $13 to send it back, no problem. And a lot of times they're not. And they'll keep the item. And if they try to do a negative feedback, we just posted a video last Monday where we talked about that. Hey, I offered a return. I offered a complete refund and they didn't ship it back and they left me a negative. So you're probably going to get that negative removed because, hey, you're showing you're willing to do whatever it takes to make that customer happy. And they're the ones not following through. So, yeah. And it's not to say that getting scammed isn't a possibility, you know, like with electronics. I have moments where I'll send in something. All right. I'll send it to the buyer. And it would how easy would it be for them to just do a switcheroo, right? Something that they had broke. And they they wanted just to scam me and they just switched it out and they sent it back to me. Right. Because not everything has serial numbers. Not everything has engravings or whatever it is. I could spend that time relishing, man, this guy scammed me. I got to look it up. I got to contact eBay. I'm like, whatever. Just, let's move on. Like, why, why am I going to waste all that time for ultimately 
I do believe that I will lose in the sense that it's going to be my word against theirs. Now, a lot of you might be upset that I say that, but I, I will say if you are consistently battling, you, you know, with with buyers thinking that they're scamming you, then it's going to be hard for you to grow your business. You're getting caught up in the weeds, right? Your business should be selling, 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 selling. And every once in a while, when there is a return and that looks scammy, then maybe look into it. But to me, my my experience has been it, it never is worth the time. It's never worth the time. So, okay. Arthur, next thing is uh, shipping. How have uh, how's shipping changed for you? So shipping's changed for me. Uh, I was going to ask you more of how shipping changed for you, but I would say shipping has changed for me in the fact that I now I don't worry as much about saving. And then this is going to be wrong. Maybe somebody will correct me about saving that buck or two. If like, you know, sometimes, you know, you put something in a box, you're like, you know what? I probably could save more money if I just put the, instead of sending this flat rate, I could probably make more money if I just ended up sending this FedEx home delivery, or I could, I could save some money if I do this this way. For me, it's once it's, once it's packed and it's taped, even if I go and it's like, gonna, I'm going to end up losing now two, $3. I just go with it. Now, granted, you could do the multiplication. I do that a hundred times and maybe I lose $300, but Again, my time is valuable. And so because there used to be a time where I would like have everything packed. And if I waited, I'm like, you know what? I wonder if I could I could save some money if I shipped it differently. And then I would, you know, get get the utility knife out. I, you know, cut the tape, take the item out, put it in the other box, repack it. And then I'd save that buck or two. Now it's like it's it's not worth that time. That's good. I mean, that kind of goes along with. uh, So for us, we're not so. We'll do that. We'll try and save a couple dollars here and there. Usually not to repackage something, but you know we're gonna find. Oh, if we ship it this way, it'll go faster. Oh, maybe we could just throw it in this box instead, or let's do a poly bag. And we were planning on doing it this way, or whatever. But typically, the the biggest change has been I used to buy or not buy, but collect boxes and mm-hmm. packing supplies. I'd ask people to save their bubble wrap. I'd go collect some from you know trash cans of like businesses that I knew, like the owner or workers like, Hey, do you guys throw away like bubble wrap? Can you just throw it in a box for me and I'll pick it up. And I definitely saved a lot of money when I first started doing that, but I had more time freedom when I first started reselling than I have now. Now I buy my boxes, right? Occasionally, like if we get stuff through Amazon and it's a good size box, mm-hmm. I'd say we throw away probably half our boxes, but some of the boxes are like, Oh, this would fit that board game or this would fit this thing. And so we keep those things. Some of them are just like, we already have 100 boxes this size. Not going to worry about it. But we use our eBay store coupon to get boxes. We buy boxes that we need. And we use American Bubble Boy, right? So one of our our sponsors for our podcast, we love American Bubble Boy. I just placed another order the other day. And it's going to be here. I I placed it yesterday and it's already on its way. It'll be here tomorrow, right? So two days, I've got my my bubble wrap. Um, Use our link in the description uh, or Purcell podcast. I tried to use that code. It didn't work. So I don't know if we need to double check that Purcell that code. Podcast? Yeah. If it's, if it's your, I think if you're buying again, I think it doesn't work. I it think, doesn't work. Okay. I think it's first time. Now. Gotcha. So if you're a first time buyer, use Purcell podcast. Well, let's just throw the ad now. <laughs> so that was what I was doing. Oh, is that what you're doing? You didn't realize oh, I thought that. you're just yeah. weaving into the story. Yeah. Well, that that's how you do good advertising. Okay. Like, right. or, or we could say, and okay. this next part of our podcast <laughs> is brought to you by American <laughs> bubble boy. Uh, and this is not organic at all by American bubble boy. It is good. All right. Anyways, American bubble Use our c- promo code pure. podcast. If it doesn't work, DM us, DM us, DM us. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll work with American bubble boy and, and we'll try to sort this all out. But I do think we are launching something new here pretty soon with them. So stay tuned. Okay. 
Now, I do have a question for you. So this is one thing I stopped doing. I don't use tissue paper anymore. And when I had clothing items, I would put, I would fold them nicely in tissue and then I'd put them in the bag. Did you ever do that before? No. When we, or like use a nice wrapping, like the Poshmark yeah, style? Yeah, we, we buy nice poly, poly bags. Um, we buy ones that have like decorations on them. And it's fine because we're not paying that much more. We buy them on Amazon, like, you know, 100 or 200 of them for, you know, 12 or 15 bucks or whatever it is. And, you know, some of them have, you know, mangoes or lemons or or flamingos or whatever, like random stuff. And we get a lot of comments that people are like, such great packaging, love the packaging. And so it's one of those things where I'm probably not going to ship out like a Harley jacket and a flamingo thing. (laughs) <laughs> but but we've got them you know what i mean so there's a lot of things that we sell and we just throw it in those even things like video games sometimes we'll throw in like the lemon bag because it's like why not and the nice thing too is it makes it easy like when we are dropping stuff off at a a place like we can see like oh they've got our packages in the back and i don't know it's just kind of cool um and we've seen other people use similar packaging but uh yeah uh, we don't do tissue paper when we were doing poshmark we were a little bit more like you know, put a thank you card in there, that type of stuff. But uh, we've kind of moved away from that. Yeah, I, I I would recommend moving away from thank you cards. I mean, the other day I had I ordered I've been doing a lot of uh, arbitrage on eBay and man, people are like writing nice notes to me. And you know where those notes go? They go in the trash. Yeah. But again, if, like, you got, I mean, if you've got a niche store, it's very worthwhile, right? Like if you if you're a store that sells like uh, handmade or, or collectible items and like you've got a ton of them, and that's what you sell. It's definitely worth like putting something in there of like, here's my business card. Here's a 10% off maybe, coupon. Here's, maybe. No, not maybe. That's absolutely I, good marketing. Uh, you can't say no because that companies spend millions of dollars in marketing. And that's something that companies like Amazon and, and Walmart and these things do is they will put in with their product or board games, right? Like there's inserts in the board games. Like here's other board games we have. Here's a 10% off coupon. Here's They do that because it's valuable. They wouldn't have spend the money. Have you used before? Well, I don't have that kind of a store. Okay. Right. Like if I had a store, what I'm saying is like if, if my store was like knives, I, I collectible knives and I had thousands of collectible knives and I sell them. Chances are people who are buying those are going to be people who are buying those. And I want them coming to my store, not other stores. Right. Yeah. So, see, I, I, I'm, a, I'm more of the, the argument of the buyer knows your store. Like if they bought from you and they're a collector, they've already perused your store and they're going to follow your store. Not like necessarily. They know what you no, have. I mean, like when I, 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 for instance, I buy like certain cards, like when I was into Magic the Gathering, I'm looking up a card, right? And it's like, oh, this store has a good price on the card. I'm buying the card. And then when I get the card and then the inside the thing is like, here's all their information on their store. Here's their prices. This is days they have sales. Boom. I'm going back to that store and I'm like, oh, sweet. Like I, I didn't even know I, I needed this stuff, but they got good deals on it. Like I've definitely been driven back to stores because of those. All right. So let us know in the comments. I personally am I, and you know me, I use business cards all the time when I go, you know, garage sales or make local deals. But are you, are you someone that thinks it's not worth it putting cards? Is Orlando just crazy or is it worth it to you? Again, and what I'm saying though is it's dependent on your store. Like it's not going to, I'm not going to do it for my store because I don't have like, I'm not in a niche that's like, I'm trying to capitalize a market. But if you're in a niche, if you are the person who sells, you know, Mickey Mouse clothes, like that's all you source and you've got thousands of Mickey Mouse, it probably is worth it for you. You could be right. I'm not saying you're wrong, but you know, it, it all depends on what works for you. But I'm interested in what people say. So uh, I love when Orlando uses that you could be right after uh, after our discussions on uh, um, never split never split the difference. Yeah, the book. Yeah. So those of you that are OGs of, of the podcast, you know what we're talking about. 
That's so. his that's his way of saying shut up, I disagree with you. No, you right. I know. I hundred percent am willing to say I could be wrong. I could be losing thousands of dollars because I'm not putting thank you cards in, in my packages. I could. And I'm not saying thank you cards per se, but I'm just saying like some kind of I mean, that's the reason why they're doing those like eBay coupons, right? Like it's the same thing, like if you were to put something where it's like, hey, return, or maybe you sell stuff off site, right? Like maybe you have an eBay store of collectible stuff and you've got your own website where you can collect things without the eBay fees. And you're driving people to your direct website as opposed to going. See, to but eBay. I'm the other way. Like there's two options with the coupons on eBay. It's one is you can like print it out and put it in the package or the other option is you can message them. Right. Usually whenever I use coupons online, I go to my inbox. I don't go to my stack of like papers. Right. All that, all that ends up being trash because I'm like, I don't even know what this is. Why do I have this here? I throw it away. But if something's in my inbox and I'm like, huh. You know, I got a coupon for roundtable pizza. I'm going to go check and I'll search it and I'll find it. I'll use it. But if it's a like the other day, I went to go eat my kids at roundtable and I'm like, oh, crap, where's that coupon? What did I do? I didn't drive back home and grab that coupon. I Googled and I found the coupon code and that's what I end up using. So anyways, let us know your thoughts. All right. Hey, before we move on to one of our favorite segments on Pierce podcast, Wanted to talk a little bit about uh, finding us on social media. We are Pierce Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Oh, wait. Or is it, is it Meta now? No, it's Facebook. So what is Meta? Well, that's like, we don't call Google Alphabet Company, right? Like Meta is the new name of the company, but it's still Facebook and Instagram, right? Like okay. we're not going to change. I mean, it's silly. I, I think it's silly they changed their name, but... Oh, they're trying to rebrand. They got a lot of bad press. Right. But it's still like Google is tech- technically alphabet company, right? Is like, it really? Yeah. If you were to buy that. Google on, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm, I could be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm like 90% sure that if you were to buy Google stock, it's like alphabet is the name of the company. Yeah. And so same thing with like Facebook. If you bought Facebook, you're, you're buying Facebook and Instagram. And so they're changing their like parent company name, but it's still Facebook. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's alphabet class A or class yep. C or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So nobody says like, you know, I... Go check us on Alphabet Clock. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's just the name of the company. So Google is so it's Facebook. You can find us on Facebook. We're there. Is what we're saying. I know this was really meta that we were talking about like the the intricate workings of social media, uh, but uh, Facebook, we're there. All right. You can also find us on Twitter uh, and uh, Clubhouse. Your Pierce Cast. Hey, by the way, if you had yet and you're listening to podcast, check us out on YouTube. Uh, we're actually dropping more content. Uh, we're doing the YouTube shorts. Let us know your thoughts on YouTube shorts. I know, I, you know, if you're feeling spammed, we understand where you are spamming on purpose. But, uh, you know, I, we're trying to just do very short videos. Uh, to help people out, just quick info, try to keep it 15, uh, yeah, 40 seconds. Uh, you know, sometimes they end up going 60. Uh, but uh, check us out. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit that bell notification. And on this podcast, make sure to hit that like button. And as always, you can give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at purestpodcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we are grateful for the iTunes reviews. We always end up getting uh, amazing reviews. I'm going to look and see have we moved. I think last time we were at 517. We are the most reviewed reselling podcast, but have we moved up from five? Se- oh, we're still there. Oh, it's slowed down. What ha- have, have, has our quality gone down? No. So, you know, when it comes down to it, like this is a, this is a blessing. In Wait, disguise. but look, we have a, why is it still the same, but we have a new written review. Who knows? How does that happen? You know, oh, we got to read these. All right. Go There's two it. good ones here. Um, okay. <laughs> 
hi buddies. So if you've been listening to podcasts, nice. you know I can't stand the uh, hi buddies. So, okay, so why is that five seventeen and we have all these new ones? Who knows? Maybe the numbers just didn't catch up. Okay, sometimes that happens. Uh, you take one hundred. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Snipe is the person who wrote this. LOL. All jokes aside, this podcast is the real deal. A new listener catching up on older episodes. Tons of valuable information given honestly and in an entertaining way. Well, thank you. And we really appreciate all the comments on our one about the reselling influencers are lying to you episode. Uh, you know, I, I kind of hesitated putting that one out there. And Mike and I talked about it. I mean, and, you know, we had to keep it real. And I think it resonated with a lot of you guys. So I uh, really appreciate the comments that you guys put on there. It encourages us. All right. This next one is uh, from K K E I J O R I. So Kijori uh, said, great show. Like Rick Ross, Mike and Orlando are always hustling. Everybody. All right. No, it's not everybody. Every day I'd be hustling. All right. I've been selling on eBay since 2000. I still learn at least one thing listening to each podcast. That means a lot to me because I always wonder, like, if you're a longtime reseller and you catch this podcast, like, are you are you gaining value from what we're sharing? Or are you kind of just going like, you know, guys, I need to be on the podcast. Uh, this is old information because we want to be out there for everyone. And, and sometimes, you know, that that isn't always the case, but uh, we always want to share that information. All right. Let me finish up. I didn't, I didn't finish up that one, though. Let me finish it up. All right. So. Uh, said, great show. I have listened to every episode. Keep up the great work, guys. All right. So thank you so much for sharing. As always, go to Apple iTunes and write that review. All right. Without further ado, we've got... Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. Yeah. Hustle of the week. All right. Our first one comes from uh, Kiana, IG handle at thrifting and assisting. So went to a garage sale and came across a vintage Scream Ghost Face Gen 2 Halloween mask. Nice. Uh, Scream is... You remember those? Yeah. Scream is one of my uh, wife's favorite movies. We we watched the series a lot and they're actually coming out with a new one. Oh, I just saw the trailer for it. The I went and saw Dune in the movie theaters and it was amazing. I okay, good. Book. I'm watching that next week. Yeah, such a good... Right. And and one of the trailers was for a new Scream movie and all, man, it was, it's funny because it's a lot of this the older characters, you know, again, like... Okay. The, and so, uh, yeah, I remember the uh, Scream masks for sure. So, uh, anyways, Kiana paid $1 and sold it for $339.99. Uh, that's pretty awesome. And it's for Gen 2. I wonder what the, the first generation ones went for. I, I don't know. That's pretty impressive. I don't know. I, That's a bolo. Right? I kept looking everywhere because people were talking about these probably back in the summer mm. and I just never saw them, you know, but uh, yeah, kind of nice, nice pickup. Think about it. I, I maybe I had one. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I had a couple too when I was in high school. Oh, well, it is what it is. All right. I'm not going to ask why you have a, 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 a death room and... <laughs> And and death, uh, ghost face masks. Yeah, let, let's not go there. All right. Anyways, um, this is uh from Chase IG handle, uh, Chase B four two three. Repeat hustle of the week. He's had some awesome finds. We had one where we shared a, an Ertl collection that he picked up. Ertl's a great vintage toy brand to look out for. He had one that we didn't share. He came across like a hundred Bratz dolls and sold them for all kinds of money. So uh, a lot of good stuff. So this one I wanted to share because. Sometimes we don't think about this. So I went to garage sale, arrived at 11 a.m. on a Saturday. Okay, that's already like, you know, it's time to close up shop. There's probably nothing there. But this sale had been going on since Thursday already. Do you ever go to garage sales that start like on a Thursday or Friday? And then, you know, do you end up there on a Saturday? I work, man. 
Okay. No, but do you go like when you look it up, do you go on that Saturday knowing that's already been happening for two days? No, usually not. Yeah. I usually pass on those. I was like, this is interesting. So went there, found a bunch of games. All right. So the games in this and they were in a Ziploc bag at the bottom of a box was a bunch of empty CD cases. Like th- this is just, that's sometimes a treasure. You gotta, sometimes you got to dig, man. You got to dig. So paid $10 for the bag of games. Here's what he found and sold. He found the GameCube Mario Kart Double Dash, and it sold for $64.99. It's already in the profit. Uh, found the Luigi's Mansion, sold for $44.99. More profit. Also in there, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg. Have you ever heard of that game? Uh-uh. $64.99. By the way, I want to bring out that these are all discs. They're not in the case. These are just discs. This is how hot the video game market is. Because back in the day, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg, what? Oh, all right. And is and the biggest sale out of all, all the discs that he picked up, he saw some other ones, was a Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness for $124.99. Nice. That is nice work there, Chase. I miss my GameCube. Those are uh that was probably one of my favorite consoles was my GameCube. And I I, I pretty much just gave it away. And uh now that I look back at the prices of it, I'm like, oh my. Yeah, my story is kind of so my uh my first year of marriage, my uh my spouse at that time bought me a GameCube and I said, I care about more about you and the kids, so we're gonna return this. And I returned it and I never looked back. I shouldn't have returned it. That's what I get for virtue signaling. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, well, I mean if if you if it legitimately was gonna come in the way of uh, you and your family, I mean you made a good choice. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So you're saying you said that just to impress her? It's it po- wasn't. It's possible. Yeah, it's I might possible. have lost a little bit of respect for you right there. <laughs> hey, I don't know why I said what I said. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> so, all right. All right, Mike, let's go to your, your next hustle of the week. All right. So hustle comes from KVN, IG handle uh, at NT dash KVN. So came across a bunch of sealed and unsealed VHS at the thrift. Paid $2.99 for a 1990 new and sealed copy of the VHS Back to the Future 2. Listed on eBay and sold within 24 hours for $299.99 plus free shipping. That's such a good thing. I mean, VHS is something I like totally overlook most of the time. But I could see why new and sealed would be like a collector's thing. Like there's probably a million VHS of, of Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2 that you can see at thrift stores, garage sales. But the fact that this was sealed... That makes it a pretty unique thing. Like people who are collectors are going to want a sealed version of it. So uh, I never even really thought to look for sealed. The market VHS. is crazy. In the huh. last last two months, the market has blown up on VHS. Interesting. I it makes me sad because we used to see them a lot. Yeah. And now you don't see them as much, and probably that's it. The scarcity. Yep. But the market has blown up on VHS. So keep an eye. And I just want to make a correction. So uh, IG handle for Kevin is NT underscore. KVN. All right. What is your hustle of the week? All right. So my hustle of the week, uh, one of my first videos I did of us doing like garage sales and not us, but me doing a garage sale and we ran into each other. Uh, I picked up a Bose like speaker system and it was a really cool speaker system that I picked up and I think I paid $5 for it and I sold it for $75 plus shipping and it didn't even have a remote. So from $5 and it was a clock. So it was just a small, it was the clock speaker probably fit in a pretty medium sized box and overall walked away with $75 uh, plus shipping from a $5 purchase. And it sat for like probably a good four to five months. So I was definitely happy 
with that sell. Yep. So that was my uh, my hustle of the week. What about you? What was your hustle of the week? Okay. So this one is... It's just one of those where it's like, I need to go to every single garage sale for the rest of my life because you never know what you're going to find. So I, I shared this with you after it happened, but what ended up happening is I went to garage sale and it was, it was around like 10 a.m. It was later in the day and there was a whole bunch of multimedia stuff. There was a bunch of sealed VHS, a bunch of, you know, older like uh, cassette recorders and all this stuff. And there was this advice. I shared this on the podcast previously. I think it was on the podcast or maybe on Instagram. I can't remember. But there's a device and it's at $40. And so I was like, ah, I'm not going to get that. $40 like some a vintage piece. And so, you know, the lady came to me and, and she said, hey, you know, you should definitely check that out. It's a pretty cool thing. It's you can convert uh, videos from uh, VHS to digital format and you can like edit it and so on. Something like that effect. I don't know if exactly that's what all it did. And so I was like, all right, fine. And luckily I pulled out my phone and I researched it because when I researched it, I found out that it was good money. Now I picked it up and, you know, in this, in this episode, I had mentioned how I have a ton of items I haven't listed. So this sat around, when, when did I show you this item? I don't remember. It was like three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I didn't do anything with it. So last week I finally got around to it and I listed it. And it sold within 16 hours. So I picked up a Sony GV-D800. Okay. And it's it's like it's like a clamshell thing where, you know, it does high eight videos. So you're converting uh, VHS to high eight. And then you could edit it within the device. And when you average the cost of everything I paid for the Sony GV-D800, I paid $5. And it sold Within, I want to say, 12, 16 hours for $937 plus ship. So you talked him down from $40 to $5 when you knew you can get this kind of money? That's I know. intense, man. I know. I know. I know. It's, you average it out. Oh, okay. So right? So, so based on everything that I had on there, it was probably like a $5 cost. Now, gotcha. she probably was like 20. I think she said like 20 or 30 bucks. But man, I bought so much stuff. Yeah. Like I already was in the profit within 24 hours. I sold... Uh, it was like a cassette cleaner. I sold uh, like a, a few DV tapes and everything. I paid 65 for the whole lot. Nice. So even let's say I paid 65 for it. I still sold it for 900 yeah. something dollars. Yeah, no, That's a crazy. I'm uh, a little jelly, man. I'd love to. I don't think I've had a single sell. I've had I've had sells that are like, you know, 400, 450. But uh, that's that's close to a thousand, man. That's a good. That's I aimed high, too. I had it listed for 1250. Cause I had the box and then I had a sale put on it and then I sent an offer. Nice. You know what? It hurts a little bit though. I have two manuals for this device. Mm. So was there another one there that got picked up before I showed up? Mm. I'll never know. Never know. But I'm going to sell the manual. Sell the manual. Yeah. There you go. So go. that is my hustle week. So thank you everyone uh, that allowed us to share Kiana, Chase and Kevin. All right. Before we move on to our next section, I need to talk a little bit about school shaver. So again, Skull Shaver, amazing tool. If you don't know what it is, it's a we, we need to bring it out on the podcast again. It's been a minute. I think people know what a Skull Shaver is. Do I don't they? Know if we have to show it. Yeah. No, like like we should just start shaving in the middle of the it's podcast. Weird. <laughs> just weird. It's weird, man. Yeah, I mean, everything I've done in this episode has been deemed I, weird. I don't think people want to see our bathing habits. I mean, we could talk about them, but I can see like a shower, like edit. Yeah, but I mean, it's just the same. Like you know, I don't want to see someone brush their teeth or shave their head. But uh, it's a it's a great product to shave your head with. So if you're doing that, you're going to want to get a skull shaver. 
All right. So in case, in case you want to get a skull shaver, go to skullshaver.com. Use our promo code pure P-U-R-E to get that discount and help us out, help you out. And uh, it's a great product yeah. to shave your head. Yeah. All right. Hey, so this last part, scaling. Okay. How have we changed in scaling? So again, if you remember our first two years of pure House podcast, man, I was out there every day. Now I will be out there this Q4 every day for a long time, but I mean, I was out there every day. And so, you know, there was a point in time where I wanted to be, you know, a seven figure seller within two years. You know, I wanted to, you know, have, I mean, I do have a decent sized place. It's, it's not, you know, a mansion or anything or anything close to that, but it's a lot bigger. So yeah. Have I been able to scale? Yeah. I've been able to scale, but I kind of toned things down and we shared already previously in the, in the podcast, how I had toned things down because just life right now, I will encourage you if, if you are, you know, late teens, early twenties, even thirties, forties, whatever it is. And you know, you don't have a significant other, or maybe you do, maybe you and that person can tag team it and scale like there's no tomorrow. And, or if you don't have kids, there's so much more available to you. But for me, I've had to change. And so I really thought we were going to be in, I thought I was going to be in a different place as far as the podcast goes, you know, I'd, I'd be owning a warehouse and, and all this stuff. And I think this last year, I think, uh, with the thing that happened where everything got shut down, I think I, I came to the realization of, you know, I don't think this is the time for me to go, go to, to that level. Right. So I did slow things down. Now, did my inventory go up? Yes. Did, did, you know, the amount of sales go up? Yes. Did my business grow? Yes. But not at the level that I wanted. And sometimes you got to be okay with that. I don't know. Where do you land on all this? Are you, are you still empire building? Um, no, I mean, um, you know, without jumping ahead too far, like one of the things is, is the end goal that we're going to talk about. And, and my end goal has kind of changed. So it's not necessarily empire building. It is, but in a different sense, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think forward like two to three generations, right? I'm trying to leave uh, something for my grandkids, right? I want to build something, some kind of a durable household, a, a property, land, reputation, and, and potentially some kind of a business that I can pass down and that would be beneficial to my kids and my grandkids. And so that is definitely something I'm, I'm trying to do and trying to build. Uh, and, and the speed of the scaling though is kind of changed in the sense of when my wife and I first started doing the reselling, we did, we scaled quickly. We worked really hard together. Um, I think when we first started, we, I don't know if my son was born yet or he was just born. So he was little and it was kind of easy for us, you know, throw him in a swing and then us get stuff done. Uh, but now we're a little bit busier and the nice thing is we, the scaling we did, it's easier to maintain that level than it was to get to that level. Mm. So we had to bust our tails to get to the level where we were, you know, bringing in consistently six to $800 a month, right? Like maybe that's not a lot for, for certain people, but like, that was like, okay, like how much do we need to make our, to, to pay our bills with you staying home? And so it was like, okay, this is what we need. And so it took a while to scale to that point. But once we got there, we realized with maybe a quarter of the energy it took to get there, we can maintain that. Mm. We can source, we can keep listing, we can keep because we've got enough backlog, we've got the inventory, we've got the systems down, we're more efficient. And so if we were to bust our tails again for another six, seven months, we could probably double what we're making. And it would be a little bit you know, more to maintain than we're currently maintaining now. But we just don't have the, t the time or the freedom to do that now. We do have plans to do that eventually, that's just not where we're at right now uh, in our stage of life. But, you know, in the next five years, we'll probably go through another growth spurt like that where it's like, all right, let's double our store. Let's double what we're doing. 
uh, but we're just not there. So this we we worked really hard. We got to a place we're maintaining. And I suggest everybody do that unless you do have this mm-hmm. desire of like, I just want to be a millionaire, uh, which then again, you, you're probably going to find better ways to spend some of your profit from reselling to make more money, right? You're probably better off investing in the stock market or in, in real estate or in other things, Crypto. right? Like not, you know, not saying what you should do, but there's other ways starting another business, investing in a business, being an angel. Like there's other ways you can make your money work for you. Did you uh, say be an angel? Angel investor. I know, I know. I know. You're um, so those are things you can definitely do. Uh, but you might be at a place where you just say, you know what? I need to make an extra $400 a month. I need to make an extra $1,000 a month. And you got to figure out how long it's going to take you to get there. And, and you might have to bust your tail to get there. But the nice thing is once you're there, you don't have to keep up that level of intensity. It's like starting a car. Like when you're when you when you're driving a car, you really got to get the gas to get like push it down to get it going. But once you get up to speed, you can kind of let off a little bit and it kind of maintains, right? You can kind of coast a little bit because you're not trying to get up to that speed. You're just maintaining it. it. Doesn't take as much. So that's kind of the way it is with reselling. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy. It's like pushing down the gas pedal to the floor in order to get up to speed. But once you're there, you can kind of go into eco mode, coast a little bit, and you you'll be okay. No, agreed, agreed. And and part of the reason that I've changed too is I've changed my process of scaling. So initially when I first started the podcast with you, Mike, I was all about Amazon. Like I, I you know, 70% of my income came from Amazon. Uh, that's when Toys R Us was liquidating. I was buying a bunch of stuff, sending it off. And I was doing a lot of heavy Amazon the first two years. But then after time, I began to like develop a taste for like vintage clothing and vintage collectibles. And, and so now... I'm I'm more of like I I want to source what I enjoy sourcing, right? So, I mean, I still like finding Harley gear, which is a lot of vintage pieces. I like finding vintage sports, where I like finding a lot of the stuff that I grew up with in the '90s. And so, I I've kind of shifted to, you know, and this is the the original point I was making that I'm not looking for everything that's profitable. I'm looking for everything that's profitable that I enjoy. Right. Because I will say, I think I would have burned out had I kept doing Amazon at the level I was doing it. Uh, I'm always ready to burn out at the end of Q4. Now, I do get a little sad. Like there's a part of me that dies inside once Q4 is over, because I got to tell you, the adrenaline rush and the dopamine, it's it's amazing. It is amazing. Uh, but all good things have to come to an end to eventually. And so the other nine months of the year where I'm not hitting Q4 hard through Amazon, I want to do something that I enjoy that's sustainable, that will bring in good profits. And so I've really switched it up to more finding vintage, you know, clothing. Uh, and when I mean vintage clothing, I don't mean like 50s, 60s. I'm looking at more of like what was trending in, in the 80s, what was trending in the 90s, stuff that people get nostalgic about those kind of items, even up to the 2000s now. And so I'm trying to acquire some of those collections uh, because I enjoy, like I, I've shared this before, like my latest haul with with Hot Wheels has been mind uh, changing for me because I have learned so much what to look for, what not look to for. And there's some things now that I'm like, yeah, I know it sounds terrible. I, I don't know if I want to sell it. Right. I mean, I came across some stuff that was, you know, there was only like 30 made. And I'm like, do I really want to throw that out there? You know, so I'm gonna so end up. I'm gonna end have, up on American Pickers one day. Yeah, you're or hoarders. Uh, we're <laughs> we're gonna have an intervention for Orlando. I think it's really important that he learns to sell his stuff. Okay. All right. Let's talk. Let's talk about angle. All right. So talk to me about how your angle has changed a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's changed in the sense, even the purpose of the podcast. Um, you know, of course, I wanted to learn about reselling when we started. 
Uh, but as the years have gone, I've become more and more focused on the importance of family and, and everybody's different. Like you may not have a family, right? You might be your family, you might be your future family, right? Like you haven't met your family yet. Who knows? But to me, family, um, the having a family community and being able to support yourself, right? Because like, we know given the last couple of years, like times aren't always certain. Anything can happen. Like maybe it's, it's just toilet paper that you're short on, or maybe it's food and water, right? Like I, I, I'm kind of like Ron Swanson in the sense, like I live off the grid. I'm completely um, self-sufficient. We've got a well, we we get solar, all of those things. And eventually we want to move back to a house. It's not like we're, we're, we're planning on living this way forever, but we're doing this because we're literally trying everything that we can do in order to set ourselves up so that my wife can stay home so that we can raise our family and so that we have financial freedom that I'm not held completely at at the mercy of whatever happens around me, right? I want to have a little bit of control in my life and I want to be able to support and have a durable household. I think that's kind of the term. So before it was like empire, but like I think empire has the idea of like, I want to become a multimillionaire and I want to have these cars and these Lambos and all this stuff. Whereas instead, I want to have a durable household that is going to be last for multi-generations, right? That, that our household, like we have friends who... Um, you know, they, they have multiple generations living on one property and they've got a lot of property. And it's like, that is like the goal. Like I'd love for something like that. I'd love to be able to see that I have started a business. I've created something that I can pass down to my kids, that I can leave them houses, that I can leave them property and I can watch our family stick together and, and build something that's going to last and that we're not reliant on, uh Oh, daddy's company cut some hours. Now I can't feed you. Right. So I think that reselling has done that. And I'm so passionate about teaching other people that they can do that. And so that's one of the things I, I, I love about the podcast is I can tell people like, Hey, you don't have to go full time. You don't have to make six figures reselling. You can, Orlando's proved that that you can do that even going to garage sales and thrift stores and, and, and Walmarts and targets, but you can also, you know, get enough money that you're paying off some bills, you're paying off some debt, you're freeing up some money. That's why we did the level of reviews, learning how to be financially wise. Maybe you can, you know, instead of doing childcare, you can have a spouse stay home or there's a lot of different things and it's everybody's going to have different goals. But to show that you have the power to do that and reselling is a tool that you can use uh, is, is pretty awesome. So my scaling and all of our focus has been on that. And as long as we're meeting those goals, we're happy. Yeah. And so I, my end goal has kind of changed. I thought I'd be reselling for a long time and I still plan on reselling. I don't know when that's going to, I don't think it'll ever go away. And the full time, I don't know when that's going to go away, but I have switched things up a little bit in the sense that I, you know, I've, I've actually considered, you know, I had talked about how being a reseller had opened up my eyes to so many more opportunities, right? Uh, before reselling, I never invested in the stock market. I never invested in crypto. I never even thought about real estate. Like that just wasn't on, on my horizon. It's just because growing up, it always had been like, get a good job, move up the ladder and you'll be good. Right. And then I got, you know, I ended up walking away when I was, you know, two rungs from the top of the ladder. <laughs> and uh, I think it was good because, you know, I, at that point in time, I probably would just been stuck there and I wouldn't have had all the potential possibilities I have now. And so I, I've really I'm looking more about finding different streams of income. I had mentioned before with crypto and then that's been up and down. You know, I, I'm I need to be a hodler instead of a, a trader. I'm not I'm not too good of a trader. I've lost 
a lot of money. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it's also opened up my possibility, you know, and the fact of, hey, it's great to have, you know, investments that like if I ever need to, you know, dip a little bit into investments to turn that money into something else. Uh, we had read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and that changed everything for me. I used to have a nice nest of money and savings, but it, was I making one or two percent? And so I've I've kind of switched that up, and I don't have much in savings anymore. Instead, I have it in different businesses that I'm investing. Uh, some high risk assets. Assets. That's what it is. Again, this this wasn't even part of my vocabulary. It still isn't part of my vocabulary because again, all I knew was get a good job, work hard, and that's all there is. That's the only way you're going to make money, right? And Rich said, "Poor dad." I think that's the poor dad. Yep. Right. Yep. And I didn't know any better. He's and an educated, hardworking person who, you know, spends his money. Was an educator. Was an educator. Yeah. And and it, it kind of reminds me, I think it was Elon Musk that, that made the tweet. I, I, I might have mentioned this on the podcast already, but I think it's such a great quote. This would be like a great quote of the week. Maybe every episode. If you have a Netflix subscription, if you can afford a $19.99 a month Netflix subscription, but you're not able to buy 19.99 of Netflix stock every month. You're the reason you're poor, right? And it's like, how many of us consume, consume, consume instead of saying, you know what? Instead of having a liability of a Netflix subscription, I'm just gonna put that money and I'm gonna buy Netflix stock every single month. And if you've been doing that since the beginning of getting a Netflix subscription, you'd have a lot of money right now, right? And that that idea has kind of changed. Um, and reading these books and reselling has kind of helped us to change our our perspective on those things and help us to have a more financially literate and, um, you know, focused mindset on what it is we're trying to do. No, agreed. And again, it's this idea of reselling, right? has to be what works for you. has to be what works for your family, your stage in life, ultimately your angle. And so it's changed for Mike and I, and we're still going to be reselling the podcast until on, but, you know, our focus has changed a little bit and I think that's fine. And so I encourage all of you that are listening, you know, take a time of reflection and think about the last, you know, year or month, wherever you've been reselling, go, okay, have things shifted, whether it be from how you source, you, how you sell, how you ship, you know, how, how do you, how do you deal with scaling uh, to just what is your angle? All right. So hopefully this brought value to a lot of you this episode. And as always, we're appreciative of all of you. And with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Late. Peace.